right, I'm recording. It looks like uh, everything's pulsating in Audio Hijack. This is episode 7 of Ruminate. Ruminate is a podcast about opportunities and challenges that technology presents us with every day. I'm Rob Lewis, and with me, as always, is John Voorhees. Hi, John. Hey, Rob. How are you today? I'm very well, John. How are you? Good, good. You know, I saw yesterday that you finally dove into the Batman series, the modern Batman series. Is that uh, that right? Uh, yeah. The, before we, before you start laying into me for not watching these films. Um, yeah, well, you, you, you saw what was coming, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I feel like I, I, in the back of my mind, I, I remembered that uh, kind of uh, Batman and, and Batman Returns in like the, I think it was like 1989 and then early 90s that... I'd always heard that those were terrible, um, and I was under the impression that Batman Begins was kind of in that category. Um, I, I didn't realize that it was part of the kind of the Dark Knight stuff. Ah, um, uh, got it. Which again, I had I hadn't watched those either. Um, I've now yeah, watched. Yeah, the, <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say the old ones are pretty campy. They're 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 not particularly good and they got more and more off the deep end as they went to the point where you had you know arnold schwarzenegger as mr freeze and i think danny devito was the penguin and um i forget i've, I've seen all those but a long time ago yeah and i think just in the back of my mind i would kind of avoided them because i'd heard you know the, the the earlier ones were so bad um right and and because i hadn't watched the dark knight because i was like oh i need to watch the other one but is the other one terrible um and, and it, it only kind of dawned on me a few months ago. Um, I'd seen a few things. I was like, right, it's an actual trilogy. It's separate from the other ones. I should probably get in and, and you know, watch these. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I watched the first one, and, and it was fantastic. Um, there was there was an amusing part with uh, Liam Neeson. I'm not sure if you saw me tweet this. Um, but there's I a, did. There's a scene at the beginning where he, he says, I had a wife once, but she was taken. And I could not stop laughing. Because um, it's just a an interesting little... Uh, little quote from him in that film <laughs> yeah it's like a, it's like a callback to the taken movies but it, i think the taken movie probably came after that one i want to say uh, am i right about that yeah i think so because uh batman begins is 2008 um i think taken was, was after that um but it yeah. was just just kind of funny to uh to to see that in in that kind of context um and then straight after that i watched uh dark knight as well which is again really good um and then once we finish recording today I'm going to watch Dark Knight Rises as well. Uh, good. I was going to say, you got one more to go, and that's a lot of movie watching already just for one day. That's uh, well, Those are like two, two and a half hours each, right? Uh, yeah, like two that. and a half hours. So we started um, kind of Batman Begins. We were having some dinner, and we're like, I'll pop, we'll pop that one on. Yeah, we've got plenty of time. Um, but you know what yeah. it's like? You pause it, and you chat, or you know, you go and get a drink, or you know, make a cup right. of coffee or something. And by the time we finished watching Dark Knight, it was like half 12, 1 o'clock in the morning or something. And we were like, oh, wow. we, we can't watch another one. <laughs> Yeah, no. Have you seen any recent movies that anything has come out recently? I've been meaning to go see Spectre and haven't seen that. And I don't know. I haven't been to the movies in quite a while. I, I don't go to the cinema. Um, I, I don't. I don't enjoy how much it costs. I don't, I don't particularly enjoy the experience of sitting with other people. Um, yeah. I think the the last thing I saw in the cinema was uh, was Age of Ultron um, because I, okay. you know, I really enjoy the Marvel films. Um, so you know, we went and saw that at the cinema. But for the most part, we'll just wait until you know, until they're out on Blu-ray or iTunes or, you know, whatever. You can't really say home video now. That doesn't have any context. It doesn't no, have any it cultural doesn't. It makes you sound anymore. like an old man, Rob. It makes you sound like <laughs> an old man. 
Yeah, I've been meaning to watch Jurassic World. I haven't done that yet. I've got a that that one is available on uh, iTunes. So yeah, that, I'll do that. That's a fun one. It's um, you know, kind of like the other Jurassic Park films. It's um, it's a little bit on on the ridiculous side, but you know, it, it is fun. Well, Rob, I wanted to tell you about some more chicken that I had. You know, we've talked a lot about Nando's, right? I think we are yeah. the unofficial uh, podcast of Nando's. Yes, we're just waiting for them to call with the sponsorship offers. That's just, but I'm, I've got I've got another another chicken restaurant, and maybe they maybe they'll step up to the plate and actually um, sponsor the show. It's Gus's world famous fried chicken, and it is a staple of Memphis, Tennessee. And I had heard about it way back when. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure Stephen Hackett had mentioned it to me one time um, because I was driving through Memphis on the way to a vacation and was asking him about places to stop to eat. Um, and I didn't actually try it back then but because I think we ended up not going through Memphis. But uh, they just opened one in Chicago, not too far from where I work, like maybe, I don't know, a mile walk or so. And it is amazing. It's the best fried chicken I've ever had. It's um, real spicy and super crispy and crunchy and i don't know it's if you ever have a chance to have uh, gus's world famous fried chicken you should uh it's i think they've got they're in memphis they're in chicago now um they're in a couple other places mostly centered around you know i guess radiating out from uh, tennessee but um good stuff really good and it, it gives nando's a run for its money totally different and much more unhealthy but sometimes you know anything anything deep fried is good i in my book I, it, I'm just looking at the website now. It actually it looks uh, it looks really good, and if you know if it's as good as you're saying, and uh, yeah, I mean maybe I'll just have to come out to Chicago, won't I? And you can uh, <laughs> you can yeah, take you me will. There. Yeah, I know. I um, it was so good. I had it on a Tuesday, and Saturday we had people over for dinner, and I drove downtown and back to get um, two twenty piece buckets of fried chicken for everybody for the party, and it was um, and it took me two hours round trip, uh, but it was worth it because the the fried chicken was so good. I think I think it's always worth it. Uh, we've got um, I, I don't know if you have, you have five guys uh, burgers. In, yep. In yeah, Chicago. we do. Um, yep. No, in the in they've they've got a few branches in the UK, mostly centralised around London, and and they've got a couple elsewhere. Um, and there's one opening up about a twenty minute half hour drive from my work, and uh, oh nice. And this is on on Thursday, so my boss is like, right on Thursday we go in, we're getting it <laughs> straight away because um, the the nearest one to us from here is kind of an hour hour and a half drive so it's not really uh feasible no no that's a long way to go for a hamburger so uh oh, thursday's man. thursday's gonna be a good day that does sound good maybe i'll have to find a five guys i know they've got a couple of downtown in downtown chicago we've got we've got a ton of burger places we have actually a place called o, o cheval in chicago which just recently got uh written up in one of the mag food magazines or TV shows or something is being you know, like one of the five best burgers in the United States. Oh, wow. And yeah. And I haven't been since the spring because the place is not big. It's, um, it's a very small hipster type place, um, has a really good tap and, um, really serves nothing but French fries and hamburgers. Um, and ever since that was written up, the lines have been down the block. And so you have to, and they don't take reservations. You have to just kind of stand in, in line waiting for your burger. Oh, so you have to kind of take a day off work and, and you know, plan around it and, and make yes, sure you basically. get there on time. Basically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's probably enough about f food for now. Um, yeah, you're making me hungry for sure. Yeah, me too. Um, so you've got some, uh, there was a couple of little notes you had here about release notes that we didn't get to last time. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I totally forgot to mention this. I, you may have seen it, but um, David Smith had tweeted out his uh, uh, a, a screenshot of his Apple Watch because what he did was 
When he went on stage for his talk, he started a workout on his watch to track his heart rate. And it was really interesting. Um, it was it went from, you know, like 60 to 110 or 120, something like that, very quickly. He was given his talk, and then you see it dip way down and then go back up again. And I was talking to him afterwards and asking him, what's, what's the dip? Is that when you left the stage? And he said, no, that was actually when I realized that I was almost done and I was going to survive. <laughs> he really... <laughs> He relaxed and his heart rate went right, went way down. And then he got, they said he got off the stage and then it was, and, and then the, it went back up because his reaction, it was kind of his reaction to, oh my God, I'm finally done. <laughs> and, and he freaked out a little bit and his heart rate went back up and then, then he was fine. But I just thought it was kind of interesting uh, to be tr- tracking that during a, during a talk. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting uh, use of the, uh, the workout app to kind of see, um, you know, as you say, his ups and downs while he's doing a talk. Um, and I've seen a few other examples of this, you know, where people are tracking it during, you know, job interviews and things like that. So it's, um, yeah, it's a nice side effect of having a, a heart rate monitor um, on the Apple Watch. Right, right. And so we've got, I've actually, I found his tweet, so we'll put that in the show notes. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting to see. Um, yeah, the other thing was really just... Uh, I, I guess it's a an, more of an overarching point, which is it was really nice to be at a conference where people didn't feel like talking about making money was a bad thing. Because sometimes, you know, people find that to be a little crass or whatever. But um, I don't know. It was a, it was a good atmosphere because people were just, you know, real very open about, you know, you got, if you're going to continue to do this, if you want to continue to make apps, um, you're going to have to find a way to make money so you can make more apps. So, um, yeah, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, I think that's good because... Um... I think, you know, whether it's app development or, or, you know, web design or development, what, you know, whatever it is, if it's something that, um, you know, essentially you're working for yourself or doing freelance, um, it can be difficult to kind of find what the, um, I guess what the level you need to kind of be successful or to, you know, to make enough money to live because a lot of people just won't share these details. Right. Right. Um, and talking of that, um, you've noted a couple of other things about, um, about you know working on Squibner and 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 Blink and things like that. Did you want to uh, just go through those? Yeah, the thing about Squibner that I I realized after listening back was that I talked a lot of last time about um, where it came from, but not so much where it's going. Um, I don't really know in any specifics where it's going. But last end of last year was when I decided to you know kind of treat it as a a serious business. Um, and that was more of a mental mindset change than anything else. Um, you know, I decided to put some of my own money into it, decided to, um, take it seriously, whatever that means and set kind of both short-term and long-term goals, uh, for, you know, what I thought would be building slowly, but surely a, a successful business and you know, I'm one, one year into it and a long way from it being, a standalone self-sustaining thing. Um, but it's been a good, it was a good first year. And I think I met pretty much the goals that I I had for myself for the first year. Um, and just kind of starting at this point thinking about next year, but it's one of those things that takes an enormous amount of patience because, you know, especially when you, you look back at the uh, early days of the app store and you see all these, you read all these stories. And I think a lot of people read these stories where someone becomes a millionaire overnight on the app store. That just doesn't happen anymore. It takes a really long time and a lot of work. So, um, something to keep in mind and kind of keep focused on as, as I move forward. So that's, that's about all I had to say. So, um, yeah, so obviously with uh, Squibner, you've got, um, King me is out now. 
Um, and obviously that's on the Apple TV. So I think um, we probably should talk a little bit more about the Apple TV because there was a few points that we missed off last week. Um, obviously it's been, oh, sorry, not two weeks ago. Um, you know, we've both had the Apple TV kind of fully functioning for a couple of weeks now. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about was the uh, controller because we, we briefly mentioned it but didn't really get to it. Um, so after the show, I ordered I ordered the controller, the, uh, the Nimbus uh, Steel Series controller. Because um, I, I kind of played a couple of games and, and just realised that the Siri remote really just isn't up to it um, at all. Uh, is, is that kind of the experience you found with the controller as well? No, absolutely. Especially for games like uh, oh, Asphalt 8. There, that was just no good with the controller, I thought. Um, and and I think it's just useful even for games like Crossy Road or Alto's Adventure or something like that. It's useful to have um, a button to press instead of um, a trackpad to, to click. Yeah, definitely. I found with the... The Nimbus, the the quality is very good, yeah. um, but it, it, I would like it to be a little bit better quality. Um, when I compare it, I, I kind of I played on my uh, Xbox 360 last night uh, after having played on the Apple TV for a little bit, and there's definitely the the Xbox controller definitely feels significantly better. Um, even you know, even though the Nimbus is is pretty good, um, but you know it's it is what it is, and and from everything that I've read, this is the best one to get if you're going to get a controller at all. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I know they, they talked about this a little bit, I think, on ATP, the last ATP, um, about how third-party controllers never seem quite up to the, the ones that come with, you know, they're made by the manufacturers of the consoles. And I noticed the same thing. We have a 360. It, the Nimbus is probably closer to the 360 um, controller than it is to, say, like a PS4 controller um but it it and it's good and it feels fairly solid but it's just a little bit i don't know if maybe it's the buttons or the the sticks they just don't feel quite um quite as solid or as high a quality as the uh, 360 controller yeah definitely i think i agree i mean i think some of the uh, the shoulder buttons are a little bit funny uh, they're not quite as good and the uh the analog sticks are not not quite as good um now in terms of me ordering one this was a little bit of a pain for me because if I want something, normally I just jump on Amazon. You know, I pay for Prime, it'll be here next day. Right. Um, of course, Amazon are not only not selling at the Apple TV itself, but it appears that they're not selling any Apple TV-related accessories. So oh, wow. They don't have any other controllers. You know, they don't have the Nimbus or, or a couple of the other ones that are specifically built for the Apple TV. Um, did, you so buy it from, all- like, did you buy it from the Apple Store then, from the um, online Apple Store? Uh, yeah, I went with online um, because, much like a lot of things that I would like, um, the, the, the nearest store to me is is a um, kind of a bit of a pain to get to. Um, it's kind of like half an hour drive or so. Um, yeah. So I ordered from the Apple Store, which is fine, except I had to pay delivery um, because oh. it wasn't up to the uh, the minimum delivery order, right. and the, the, they don't sell anything cheap on the Apple Store to uh, to to bulk up that that order. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I. I I did the same thing. I, I bought mine at a physical Apple store because we actually have one that's maybe 10-minute drive from my house. So I just went out one night, um, I guess the Friday night before our last recording to get it. And I've used it a, a decent amount, but I found so far that I haven't used my Apple TV much more than I used to use my Apple TV. Still, I'm using it mainly for what we always used it for, which was renting movies, watching Netflix, that sort of thing. So for me, I've found um, there's a few things that it's actually replaced what I would normally would have done on my Mac or, or on my phone, and maybe I would have AirPlayed. Uh, things like uh, watching trailers. I mean, I know YouTube was there before, but it, it wasn't great. 
kind of YouTube seems a bit better now. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a few other apps. Like I can, you know, I can see what movies are. There's an app to see uh, what movies are playing at the cinema. So if we do decide to go, um, and I can watch trailers for new movies coming out, um, you know, that kind of thing. And I've also noticed, um, like my girlfriend doesn't really play kind of any of the consoles we've got, like the 360 or the mm-hmm. PS, PS3 or anything like that. Um, I downloaded Rayman because she kind of likes those those kind of games, and she's played that quite a lot now uh, uh-huh. because it's easy to just kind of pick up the controller, select the game, and it's just loaded. Whereas if it was a 360, she's got to switch the source on the TV and put the disc in, and and you know kind of wait for that to all power up. Um, so that's an interesting side effect, I think, of um, kind of having all this content on the one on the one box. Yeah, no, I've definitely used the played a little Crossy Road or Alto's Adventure and things, especially at night uh, after I watch a little TV and don't feel like going to bed yet. I'll play a little uh, Apple TV. Um, so how has the, uh, if, if you don't mind talking about, how have kind of sales and marketing been for uh, for King Because obviously you were there on, on launch day. Um, yeah. So presumably you would have the, the biggest advantage over, you know, any, any other apps um, that, that weren't there on day one. Yeah, you would, you would think. Um, not so much, though. It's not been great. I mean, I think the problem is that, I mean, typically when you're on... And that was the whole, that was the point of being there on launch day was the hope that there would be people there to uh, buy it in a limited number of apps to buy. And so that would um, boost sales, at least for the short term. The problem is discoverability um, without being able to, you know, link to the app uh, and have people buy it through iTunes or on their phones or some other, in some other manner, manner, they have to actually go onto the Apple TV and search the words King Me. And it's very hard to get people to do that. Um, from a marketing standpoint. So the sales haven't been great. I mean, it's doing okay, but um, it's, I think that the Apple TV at the moment, at least is more an adjunct to the phone um, than it is an actual standalone thing. I think, you know, most of the games there that are being featured are ones that are universal at this point. Um, And I can see just like having a watch app, having a, having a, um, a TV app is a boost and a you know an additional selling point if you have an existing app that's discoverable outside of Apple TV but having an Apple TV only app right now I think is a really really hard way to go yeah I've I've kind of seen that same thing you kind of touched on it with the uh, the links and, and having to search and stuff obviously I've got the uh, atvapps.net um, you know where I'm posting decent apps that I find and screenshots and and links and things like that and without being able to link to the store um it kind of makes it very difficult i see a lot of people who follow the account on twitter who are uh favoriting uh tweets or liking now i suppose um you know they're favoriting kind of every single tweet that comes through and i assume that's because they want to store them and and go back to them to then go and search on the apple tv which i mean that is a that's just a terrible experience for for trying to buy apps and and i found it myself you know i think you've tweeted me a couple of apps and i've i've gone oh yeah brilliant i'll look at those but of course i can't click anywhere i need to add them to a note or a you know a reminder or something to remember to look at them when i get home on the apple tv and and i think as you say that's probably affecting sales uh quite a lot even for popular games right i mean you're motivated because you're trying to run a website so think about people you know i i I see what you tweet and i'm like oh that sounds interesting i'll check that out by the time i get home at night i've totally forgotten what it was you tweeted and that's why people are favoriting those i would suspect 
Now, I mean, there are two things at, at work here. One is discoverability. The other one is, is it's just a small install base at this point. So I was never expecting that King Me would be selling um, huge quantities. Um, but, you know, with a re relatively limited store, I did expect that it, even if it were not featured, that there would be um, the ability to drive a few more sales being there on the first day. And I don't think that really has been the case. Um, you know, I saw a couple of tweets that I will put in the show notes. There was... Um, one, I'm trying to see which app this is. There was a guy, a season, uh, seasonality TV. I don't, do you know what that is? Uh, I don't actually. Okay, um, but I, I'm going to add that to the list of things to look at later. Because yeah, that's the, seasonality. That's the world we live in now. Right. No, seasonality TV. Um, this was, I think, about four days into um, into the Apple TV was uh, the number 31 top grossing app overall for the Apple TV app store. And it had made about $200. So that gives you an idea of, um, you know, the magnitude of money being made for an app that's um, pretty high up in the top grossing, which to me, that's very low. Um, and the reason, I mean, we probably ought to explain how it is that we know that this is number 31 top grossing. Um, there, the, the lists have existed for a while. There, maybe you know better than I do how people are finding these because I haven't actually gone and seen how you go go about discovering these lists. But they're able to pull them from iTunes, the iTunes Store, I think, uh, and all the categories that you have for regular, you know, iOS apps are there, and you can find where you are in the rank. It's just that only um, there are only a few lists published at this point, and I think still only in the United States. I don't think you have categories yet in the UK, do you? Uh, no, last I checked, uh, which was earlier today, um, we still just have uh, the the top charts, which is obviously free, paid, and, and top grossing, and that's it. Um, there's still no categories uh, here in the UK or um, anywhere else, I think, outside of, outside of the US. And all we have is games and entertainment, which is, and, and, and I'll tell you, you go to games, and it's almost the same as the front page of the store. I mean, it's just the same games and a, and a handful more. So it, it hasn't really done much. Um, I, I haven't. I, I've seen actually. I think on the on the first day that the the store was live, um, I saw a number being banded around that it was about seven or eight hundred apps um, on the App Store total. Um, this was from uh, the guy who runs uh, SlideToPlay.com, uh, which is a right. kind of an app, an app website. Um, and the most recent number from him uh, was only just over a thousand, I think maybe 1100. Um, so there really hasn't been a huge amount of, uh, of apps actually even going into the app store, um, for the, for the last two weeks. I mean, you're looking at maybe three, four, possibly 500 over the last two weeks. Um, so it's really hasn't, it's certainly not been as popular as I was expecting it to be. And, uh, slide to play. I think that's where I've gone to find, he has, uh, on his site, you can, you can, break down the apple tv apps by category so for instance king me is in two categories it's in um games board which is board games and family um but those you know I, i'm not exactly sure where he's pulling this from but it's it, these are not categories that are available um if you're on your apple tv at this point no that there's a it's kind of part of the the itunes api but what they're doing is um they're faking the headers so that the the API thinks it's the Apple TV uh, rather than a browser, um, which then returns the data. I believe that that's um, that's how they're getting this data. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I knew there was something like this. Okay. So, so there's um, there's also another uh, site uh, if if you're you know looking to kind of track new apps and things like that called uh, AppSlice.co. Um, 
and they seem to be doing a very good job of um uh, it's definitely updated more than the slide to play i think slide to play is being manually done every day um but uh, app sliced appears to be doing it kind of every half an hour every hour um, oh wow but uh, as i say i'm only seeing maybe between two and ten apps a day um being added uh which to be honest for a new for a new platform is not bad but i was kind of expecting to uh to see it a little bit higher than that yeah it's going to take a while i mean i think i don't know I, I think there needs to be more more category breakdowns easier discovery um definitely need links more than anything else i think at this point yeah links are, are really th- that is a huge problem um because uh for example there's a game called uh, evil can evil which if you haven't played uh this is a universal app it's on on ios and on the apple tv um and and this is a really good game um, but but I saw it initially, so I clicked it, and it opened in iTunes because obviously it's a universal app. Um, but but there's no mention there of if it supports the game controller or you know if it even is part of the Apple TV. Like I was kind of just taking a, somebody's tweet, um, you know, as fact. But in reality, there was no way for me to even see if it worked on the Apple TV. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because if you're on the Apple TV, it'll tell you whether it's got game controller support. But I guess it doesn't in iTunes, huh? Uh, no, not that I can see. Uh, maybe I'm missing it. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe it's in the little metadata somewhere. But I certainly couldn't see it um, for this particular app. Um, again, if you haven't played that app, uh, we'll, we'll put we'll put a uh, link in the show notes because that is a really really fun game. Um, it's fun on the iPhone, but on the Apple TV, especially with the controller, it's it really is great. Yeah, uh, there's no support at all for Apple TV apps, at least Apple TV only apps in the iTunes Search API right now because I I play around with that api all the time because of blink and i was putting in um like the uh the app you know every single uh, piece of media has a unique id it's like a serial number almost associated with it and you can do lookups there's a lookup um, api and you just feed it that number and it returns all the metadata about the about the stuff that you know about the um about the media and it doesn't exist for the apple tv only apps at this point no, I mentioned something to you during the week uh, on our Slack. So that, that there's something weird going on with with iTunes. So there's definitely some support for Apple TV apps there because I was seeing uh, Apple TV only apps uh, download to iTunes, and I could see their icon in in the My Apps tab. But if I right click on them and click Showing iTunes, it just shows me another app by that same developer. Um, and if there's no, if that developer hasn't got any other apps, it just shows me a blank page. Um, there's, there's no, uh, no information there at all. So it's, it seems like maybe they might be working on something for the iTunes store, um, you know, with web links and things like that, hopefully, but right now it, it's all a bit of a mess. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, going back a second to the controller, the other thing that's a little disappointing, it's, and it's not the controller's fault, um, it's got a lot of buttons, and, and most of them are completely useless because everybody's got to support the, um, the the remote too. So, I mean, I guess you can support, um, you could support more buttons on the remote, but most apps at this point don't, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is that um, they have to build it with the Siri remote support, um, which essentially gives you a d-pad and two buttons um so as you say it, depending on the game like for example evil can evil uses uh two of the shoulder buttons for the two buttons that it uses um but then if you go onto another app it might use a and b or you know x and y um but as you say that it's all a little bit wasted when you you're looking at like a 12 or 16 button um controller and, and they can only ever really use two right 
Right. Yeah, no, I'll have to check that game out. I, I, I think Mike Hurley mentioned it too on um, Virtual, and it sounds like a fun game. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, it, it, I think that was where I heard about it as well. Um, but yeah, that's a really fun game, and it, it you know, it works really well on the Apple TV as well. Uh huh. So you want to? Um, what have you been doing with side loading apps? You're like the side loading Apple TV app expert. I have not done this yet, um, but it looks like there's more and more interesting stuff coming out. Yeah, there's a few different things. Uh, we mentioned the uh, BBC iPlayer um, app that somebody had kind of hacked together. Now that's again this is you know source codes on github you download it um and, and sideload it so sideloading is you know you've you've i'm sure you've done it um you, you know you plug in your apple tv with a usb-c cable to your your laptop or your you know your mac go into xcode choose the apple tv and you, you just kind of deploy it to the device um and this seems to be the kind of default way that uh kind of apps that maybe wouldn't be allowed in the apple tv apple tv store um, right. a good example of this is uh, provenance which is a it's a universal um i don't know it's an emulator um you know so you can play all the snares and, and nares master system games that kind of thing right um, and this has been available for the iphone for a while um and i think it was a change in ios 9 um allowed anyone with a free developer account to install apps that they've built onto a an actual device whereas previously i believe that was part of the the paid tier yeah that's true it used to be you could only get those things to run in the simulator but um with the when everything went free you could yes you could put it on a device at that point yeah so um as i say provenance um it, it's really good this is you know it's an emulator it supports the the uh, the game controller um so you install that you click kind of load load roms um and it sets up a little web server where you just go to go to the address on your mac or, or wherever and uh, and drop the roms in close that and, and you can kind of just jump in and, and play those games um there's a couple of others aerial uh, not massively useful but this is just a viewer for the uh for the uh the screensavers um so you can kind of pick a specific one to watch and just play it and it will just go for it um, and the last one was a, a browser that uh, Steve Trout and Smith uh, built. It was obviously this is kind of just an example, um, and you have to uh, you have to edit the SDK and allow uh, web WebKit or, or Web UI um, for the Apple TV. And uh, so I've, I kind of messed around and got this installed. But to be honest, there's a reason there's a there's no browser uh, yeah. on the Apple TV. This is just a terrible awful experience i mean this and this is not a reflection of the code that, that steve wrote this is just a reflection of a tv is probably not the best place for a browser right and they and since they made the decision not to put one in i'm sure you know that they have not uh apple has not done anything to the apis to make it easy on the on the tv uh no definitely not i mean this you know as i say it's essentially it's just kind of a web view um and it uses the uh the trackpad for the the cursor um but it, you know, it's not a great experience. I kind of just did it to um, just to see what it was like, and it's bad. It's exactly it's as bad as you can imagine it would be. Did you run into any like provisioning issues when you were trying to deploy these using Xcode? I mean, sometimes Xcode can be a little fiddly if you don't know your way around that sort of thing. Yeah, the only problem that I've had with with most of them um, is the uh, kind of the the identifier of the app. Right, um, that's so what it, I figured because it's it, the, the com dot whatever dot whatever. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the, the the solution to that is you kind of I just go in and put you know dash rob or something at the end, um, and that that just installs it and kind of uh, 
you know makes it unique so that it can sign it um and to install it yeah i mean that's my, my only point with that is it's 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 a little bit of a process right it's a little fiddly um if you're especially if you're not familiar with xcode which is kind of a beast of an app yeah definitely i mean they, you know yeah this isn't for everyone um you know i've heard from a couple of people as well you know people that don't have a mac you know they're kind of ios only or they just have you know maybe a windows laptop or something obviously they, that isn't open for them um but you know this is if you're willing to kind of go the extra mile to uh, to get this stuff installed, then um, then it's great. The only other uh, kind of issue I had, you know, if, if you're not um, kind of a developer or something like that, is uh, Cocoa Pods. Um, oh you know, yeah, where you're installing packages and frameworks and things like that. Yep, um, those can be those can be a bit fiddly at times. Um, but you know, for the most part, it's not too bad. Yep. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, which do many of these use Cocoa Pods? Um, I think there there was one that I was messing about with that I haven't I haven't listed there. I, I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. Um, to, for the most part, it's um, Swifty JSON is what a lot of people are using. If it's kind of just calling out to an API, um, that seems to be the default library to use to uh, to parse JSON um, if you're using Swift. Okay, I, you know, did you see that um, Joe Steele had a, raised a question on Twitter and that he asked us? Uh, yeah, so the question was, uh, is the state of your Apple TV backed up anywhere? Do you have to do all that over again? I assume by all that he means the uh, the setup of the Apple TV. Yeah, and I think the answer is no, but it should be. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't, it hadn't really occurred to me um, because kind of my old Apple TV had just sat there for three years and, and it was what it was and I'd never really replaced it. Um, but yeah, that that's going to be interesting if, you know, maybe they upgrade, if they upgrade this every year and it's the kind of thing that people do upgrade, um, you know, what you, what are you going to do? Are you going to just have to sit there and kind of rearrange the home screen again and download all the apps and sign into all of this stuff again? Um, I wonder if maybe there's anything um, being backed up to iCloud that's that's maybe not documented or um, or just not shown in the menus. Yeah, I suppose that's possible, but I mean, until there's some interface to deal, you know, to to get that information back, it's not really of any use to anybody at this point. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that it ought to back up just like an iOS device does. Yeah, I mean, I'd hope that would be the case. I mean, maybe they'll introduce it, uh, you know, once the the next version of the Apple TV comes along. Um, and and the actually talking of iCloud, that does bring up an interesting uh, point and, and thing that I've noticed. Um, so, like I said, my girlfriend's been playing Rayman, um, and that uses Game Center. But the Game Center is, of course, in, uh, logged into my Game Center account. Um, you know, there's no concept of accounts or, you know, use this iCloud account for this particular app or, you know, sign in with Game Center with this particular app. It's kind of just all linked to my account and that's it. And I mean, obviously, in my situation, it's just me and my girlfriend using it, which isn't really a problem. But I can imagine, you know, in your house, you've got you, your wife and, and, and you know, the three kids as well. Um, right. no, I can true. imagine this getting pretty complicated. Well, it's definitely a problem because you don't want you don't want people thinking that, uh, you know, your girlfriend's scores are yours because she might not be as good as you, Rob. Well, exactly. I mean, that's obviously the biggest issue. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't want all those people polluting your high score. You know what I mean? Um, no, it is a problem. And, and, you know, for instance, Netflix has an interface where it allows you to um, sign into a particular, you know, family member when you're watching Netflix. So you're not getting the recommendations from for everybody uh, in your family all in, in one in one bucket. Um, there ought to be something like that for Game Center. I agree where you can you get, you know, if you're going to play a game, it ought to give you a, a uh, maybe a pop-up of some kind that lets you choose who you're going to log in as and where your scores and 
and that sort of thing are are stored yeah because there was another app that i found uh called magpie video um which is I guess the easiest way to explain it. it's kind of like instapaper but for video um and they've got an ios app and an apple tv app and a mac app um but because they use icloud uh sorry cloudkit i think is the uh the framework for you know user accounts and, and some syncing and stuff like that um you know if me and somebody else you know so my girlfriend had an account or, or were using magpie there's no way for her to get to her um you know watch later list on the Apple TV because it's just CloudKit, you know, it just uses the iCloud account. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of little things like that that need to be uh, figured out and it's going to take a little while, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a couple of other, um, couple of podcasts that we, we've both put kind of listened to and put in here. Um, Upgrade 61, um, Joe Steele, who we just mentioned was on that. Um, and they talk a lot about the Apple TV, uh, the hardware for a lot for, uh, the most part and uh connected as well uh episode 64 they kind of talk about games and the app store and and things like that um we'll pop links in the show notes to those because those were both uh both interesting to uh to listen to yeah no those were both uh good comprehensive discussions about the apple tv especially you know joe has some real strong opinions about the setup process and the hardware and the remote um he makes a lot of good points on that episode as do uh, jason snell and, and mike hurley so um both of those are, are worth listening to i think um, so in the last week or in the last, since our last show, the iPad pro came out, which is kind of interesting. And I don't think we have a lot to say about it because neither one of us have it. Uh, are you planning to get one, Rob? Uh, no, I mean, I, I said to you, uh, before we, before we started recording, I mean, I, I didn't even have any iPad. Um, I, 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 I had one for maybe two or three years. Um, I would kind of update it, uh, periodically when, you know, when software updates come out, I'd maybe play with it for a little bit. Um, but for the most part, I, I just didn't use it, um, so I kind of sold it uh, when I got rid of my uh, my 5s. Yeah, I, I'm interested in it, very interested in it, but I've decided to kind of wait and see, especially wait and see, you know, what what happens in terms of software, because um, I'm not 100% convinced that we're going to see. Um, software that really takes advantage of the hardware at this point. I mean, there are some, you know, there's some apps out there already, but um, it's going to be a while, I think, before people do real pro complex apps that take advantage of the hardware that, that is coming out, you know, the, the iPad pro hardware. Yeah, I think I'd agree because if you look at something like uh, like Sketch, which is, you know, a, a fairly popular um, kind of uh, relatively new um, kind of Photoshop replacement, I guess, to a certain extent. It's, you know, a lot of designers use it for, for web design and things like that and vector uh, illustrations. And I wonder um, if from their point of view, um, you know, from a development standpoint, is it worth them building, you know, an iPad Pro app when they could probably spend that development time more on the Mac version and make that a lot better, um, especially when, you know, the, the market for the Mac is obviously much, much bigger than the iPad Pro right now. Right, right. Um, but, you know, there are, I, I think there are a lot of interesting use cases. I know that um, on Mac Stories, Federico Vitici had said that he had heard rumors that there was, a you know, an early version of Xcode running on the iPad. I'd be really excited to see something like that. I, I don't think I would want to do... Um, by any means, most of my development on an iPad. However, it would be really nice. I mean, there are plenty of times when you're working on something where you're really just looking through the code and trying to find a problem or you're making minor changes. Um, 
where you could have an iPad Pro and just um, scroll through the code and make you know tweaks here and there, and then and then do more you know serious debugging and and running of stuff when you got back to your Mac. Um, I think that would be nice to have. Yeah, I can see how that would be useful. Um, I mean, even if this is kind of just a you know a companion uh, to Xcode, where you kind of say show it on the iPad and you've kind of got access to the debugging tools on there and stuff like that would be would probably be quite useful. Yeah, it'd be nice. And and I you know I could see it working well for uh PDF markups. You know, if you have the pencil, uh, you know, just taking notes, um marking up documents, that's the kind of thing that I do in my day job all the time. Um and it's not very good right now mainly because the um you know writing on an iPad right now, at least the, the you know the the regular iPad um, it just doesn't have the precision to let you really do it well. Um, you have to kind of zoom in and zoom out if you want to write something and the highlighting works okay. But I think with the, um, the pencil, from what I can tell, seeing some of the early, uh, videos and, and things like that, um, there is definitely a market there for, you know, marking up documents in something like PDF pen or one of the other PDF or, or text editor, um, apps. Yeah, I can see. I can see how that would um, be useful. I wonder if, um, or I would hope that they will uh, add support for the pencil to uh, you know the rest of the iPad line. Because um, as you say, like you know, if you're doing a lot of document uh, markup during the day, I can see how that would be useful. But are you going to spend seven, eight, nine hundred dollars on a device just to make that a little bit easier, or would it be better, you know, certainly from your company's perspective, if nothing else, to get maybe a three hundred dollar you know, device that you could kind of do this markup on. Right. Right. No, no one's going to buy me an iPad Pro, unfortunately, Rob. That's just not in the cards. <laughs> no, do you, do you want me to have a word, John? I'll, uh, I'll tell <laughs> Put it in a good word for me, but if, it, if I end up buying one, it's going to be with my money, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so talking of uh, documents, we wanted to... Um, we've, uh, we've switched over to uh, Dropbox Paper for the uh for doing our kind of planning and, sh- and show notes and uh, things like that um for no- anyone who doesn't know dropbox paper is a i guess kind of a, a google docs kind of replacement or certainly google uh documents itself you know the the word kind of uh, word processing type of thing um so what do you think of it john because i've been quite enjoying uh using it over over google docs yeah I, I like it i mean it's got a long way to go it's still very early days i i don't recall when this got announced it's been at least a few months i think and we've been using it for i don't know what the last three episodes or so um and it you know it's very good for simple text editing what we basically do is we have a document with a bulleted list of all the things we're going to talk about and notes um and it's nice because it's very easy for me to tell what you've added versus what i've added um you can add uh you can highlight something and change um you know change the characteristics of it you can make it you know like an h1 h2 they've got bullet lists numbered lists check boxes uh links you can drop in um, images. You can do, you know, bold, strike through, little comments in the margin, which I've, you know, one thing, one of my wishes for this is that it has highlighting so we can maybe highlight a few key um, bullets in here when we're talking about something. But the way I do that is, you probably saw, I go over to the side and I click a little comment and it highlights it um, without even putting any text in the comment. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been quite interesting. One of the other nice features, um, I mean, I can, I can see you doing it now, um, is I can see where your cursor is, so I can see you kind of dotting around as you're going through the notes, and I assume you can see the same when I'm doing it. Um, right. So, that you know, there's a few nice, as you say, you know, it's got all the standard formatting stuff you'd kind of expect. Um, the the biggest problem, um, and I think this is probably more a problem for you than for me, because I, I don't really use my phone uh, a huge amount for this kind of stuff, but that there's no there's no iOS app uh, for Dropbox Paper. But if I make changes and, and and you know you get an email, you can click that and it will open in the Dropbox app. So there's obviously some functionality there to do it because once that's open in the Dropbox app, you can you know you can edit it and do everything you can online. But if you yeah, close although that it's not it's, again, it's right, it, it's only just it's only still just like in a browser though when you do that, right? Yeah, it, it's very strange that it even it opens in the Dropbox app, but then there's nowhere for you to get back to it. Like what what I also don't like is I don't know where these files are saved um, because they don't actually seem to be related to my Dropbox account really in any way other than I have to be signed in. Right. No, that's true. I mean, I would like to see them actually. Uh, we you know we have a Dropbox um, folder that we use for the show where we put the the audio files, and I'd like to be able to drop have this in there so that I can whether I'm on my Mac and and rummaging through folders or I'm on my phone, I can get to the folder and see the document and open it from there. Um, and you're right, and, and it sends too much email. It does. It sends those emails automatically, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm certainly not doing it. Um, okay, but I'm not, I'm I was going sure to ask you, if you're sending me all these e- emails, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it seems, it, I'm not sure how it's doing it. I think it's waiting. Um, I think there must be a certain time uh, when, once one of us stops editing before it sends an email out because I sometimes get emails where you've edited kind of three or four different paragraphs or, or you know, three sections or whatever. And it kind of sends that all in one go. Um, so it's obviously kind of just waiting until you've stopped editing or I've stopped editing to send those out. Um, but it, it's not a great notification system. Um, again, I think if there was an iOS app, you know, maybe that would be better because I could just kind of get a notification when you've updated it or uh, possibly kind of a daily overview or something um, to kind of just see what's changed in the document would be useful. Uh, and there's certainly no indication of it on the website um of of what's been changed since i last logged in yeah so i mean the way i've been dealing with it instead of um getting to the document through the emails is that i've been bookmarking in the bookmark bar um the show notes for the next show so like after today i'll i'll drag out the um the ruminate number seven one and replace it with the ruminate number eight one as soon as that document has been created um that way i can just you know get straight to it which is nice the thing that's hard on the phone too is um, there's no way to do things like tabs, right? So if we're doing one of these bulleted lists and I want to nest something under a, a bullet, I can't do that when I'm on my phone. And I spend a lot of time, like a lot of the times I am marking this up on, um, on my phone because I'll be on the train or something going to work and I'll think of something and like, Oh, we got to talk about that and ruminate. So I'll, I'll drop it into the notes. And if you ever go in and you see that it's all kind of sloppy, it's usually because I did it on my phone and I can only do so much formatting. And I'll eventually go back to it on my Mac and clean it up a little bit. But um, it is a little difficult to do when you're on iOS at this point. Um, but all that said, I do like it better than Google Documents. Oh, absolutely. I do too. I mean, this is kind of what what Markdown is to kind of a Word document. This, this It's that kind of same relationship between Google Docs and, and Paper. Like Paper is just kind of so much simpler um, to use. And certainly for what we do, you know, we don't need any other kind of track changes or any of these 
you know advanced features that a lot of people do use in in word and, and google docs and things like that um you noted and i think i kind of have the same concerns that i haven't really heard anything about this since it was announced um there doesn't seem to be any you know huge updates for it and, and again no ios app or, or any new features and things like that um so that's a little bit concerning yeah, we've been working with it. We've been using it for, what, maybe six or eight weeks, something like that. And as far as I can tell, it's the same as it was the first time I, I tried it out. Uh, yeah, it's it's very strange. Um, but again, I mean, I think we're in a we're in a kind of lucky position that in reality, you know, the, these documents are, are not that useful once we finish with them. Um, so if we need to, you know, we can switch to whatever we wanted. We can go back to Google Docs or, you know, I can just start maybe I'll mail you the show notes and you can, you can scan them in and we'll, we'll have a look at them that way. Um, but you know, we're, we're in a good position that we can just kind of switch between these things without, without worrying too much about kind of archiving the notes or anything like that. Right. No, that's true. I, you know, I don't know how you would print this either. I wonder how this would come out if you just printed it as though you're printing the, um, the page. Uh, I've just pressed print. Um, no, it seems to, seems to print out quite nicely. Um, They've obviously got a reasonable uh, print style sheet there. It basically just looks like a plain, you know, a plain word document as you'd expect. Um, so yeah, it can, can be printed out if if we really needed to. Yeah, I mean, once you're on the page where we are right now with our notes, there is a little menu on the in the upper left hand corner you can click on, and that will give you that will show you a list of your documents. Um, but there's no way to get to that that I know of. If you just log into um, into into Dropbox, right? Mm. Yeah, that that's that. I think that was the, kind of what I was saying a minute ago. Like, yeah. it doesn't appear to be. It's almost like it's a completely separate product. Um, right. Dropbox is just the parent company that happens to make this paper app. Yeah, it makes a lot of. It's like I said, it's nice. Um, and it works for us um, mainly because our our needs with it are very simple, um, and I think it's worth checking out. But um, it it needs it definitely needs um, to be everywhere. It needs to be up more than just on the web. I'd like to see a native app uh, available for it um, at a minimum, and and maybe some tweaks to the formatting and other features it has on the web. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as I say, for now, we'll stick with it. But if something else uh, comes along, which I'm sure it will, um, yeah. you know, we can always try that out. Um, and if there was a good episode of uh, Connected, uh, episode 62, where they talked a lot about uh, document collaboration, because Connected and uh, previously to that, when it was called The Prompt, they famously, um, you know, tried to use iWork and Google Docs and Evernote and all kinds of different things. Um, that, that was an interesting uh, discussion about this kind of thing. Right, I think the most solid thing about the, about paper right now is that it it handles collaboration really well. We're both in this, and we can see what each other is doing and mark it up. And it's never we haven't. I don't think we've ever lost any any text or anything doing that. Uh, no, I mean I think the only thing that we we kind of lost per se. Um, I believe you made a comment uh, on a block once, and so I cut that out and moved it to a different document. Um, that particular section. So that comment was kind of lost forever. Um, you know, I knew you'd made the comment, but there was kind of no history of that because that whole block had gone. Yeah, I think I crashed it trying to put emoji in one time too because it has its own set of emoji. And I, I, I think I crashed it early on with that and then never tried it again. Because <laughs> I think the comments can have emoji if I remember right. 
Oh, well, I mean, if if emoji doesn't work, then forget it. We'll, we'll switch to something else next week. I know. <laughs> I could try it right now, but I don't want to crash it while we're talking. So <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> um, you know what? I totally forgot one thing about the Apple TV that I wanted to mention that um, I don't think I haven't seen mentioned anywhere else, which is um, television shows and the UI for dealing with um, TV series when you've got, you know, multiple series. I like The Walking Dead and I've bought a season pass every year since it came out. So that's, I think it's in the sixth season right now. So when you go to watch a new episode, you have to scroll horizontally, just like you do for the keyboard to get letters. But you know, at six at five and a half uh, seasons into the walking dead, that is a lot of side scrolling to get down. Cause the, the new episode is on the far right. It starts with season one and you have to go all the way over. There's not, there's not like a pick a season first and then scroll over. It's all in one long row of, of, um, episodes, which that's got to, to me, that's got to get fixed. Cause that's, that's a horrible way to find the newest episodes. Yeah, that's got to be bad. I mean, as you say, it's kind of five and a half episodes and, and you know, 12, oh, sorry, five and a half seasons and, and you know, 12 or 13 episodes. I can only imagine what that'd be like with something like Friends or even, you know, The Simpsons, I think you, you mentioned uh, before we started recording. Um, that That's going to get really crazy when you start getting into the kind of hundreds of uh, of episodes that these shows have. Right. Or at least, you know, have an option to allow it to be put in reverse chronolo- chronological order. So the newest one is the first one instead of the last one. Yeah, definitely. I think that would def- that would uh, that would make it a lot easier. Um, so, John, you've um, you found my Christmas present. I did. I found you. I found you a uh, Nicholas Cage pillowcase. This comes. Uh, this comes courtesy of Chris Gonzalez, uh, who writes. I think the sweet setup. Am I right about that? I should say. I should. Uh, know. I believe so. Yeah. I think that's where I recognize his name. Yeah. It's uh, Tools and Toys and uh, the Sweet Setup. Yes. And uh, and he 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 tweeted the other day. The only Christmas gift you need this year. You're welcome. And it's a Nicolas Cage pillowcase that you can get on Amazon. It's very reasonably priced. Uh, and it's got kind of a glamour shot of Nicolas Cage on a leopard, uh, what looks like leopard print sheets. I, it, um, it really is a, it's a beautiful pillowcase job. Yeah, it is. It's a little, it's a little, it's a, it's a little, little risque maybe for the, for the show. We should be careful. We don't want to get a, uh, we don't want to get a mature uh, rating here, but uh, check it out. We'll put it in the show notes cause it's good stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll send that to you. I, I better order it soon though. It might take a while to get to you. I, I can only imagine, uh, you know, your, your wife or my girlfriend's reaction to, uh, to one of us having one of those and you mm. know, maybe put, maybe put it in the, uh, you know, the family room or, or, yeah. or even the bedroom. Um, it comes uh, in and comes in an incredibly wide variety of sizes. Uh, oh, and it comes. They actually. Oh, look at this. You should. Have you been on this page? There's uh, all I have. sorts. Of, there's one where Nicolas Cage has rainbows in the background. The, the rainbow one is very nice. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I didn't realize that you had they had, they had these different options for different uh, size pillows. I thought they were all Nicolas Cage. This is going to ruin my Amazon recommendations now. Yeah, it probably is. It's already done that. Oh, these these are really weird images to put on pillows. <laughs> we got the Green Bay Packers next to Michael Jordan, a football, Nicolas Cage in a glamour shot, um, some other television star person who I don't know it is because I don't watch enough enough television. Oh, they've got uh, got Doctor Who here too. <laughs> oh dear, job. <Chub>. Um, <laughs> 
we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, if browsing you're Amazon to... with Rob and John, that's what we're going to change the name of the show to, I think. <laughs> and please, by all means, click the link so that your Amazon recommendations are ruined for the next week as well, because I know mine will be. Yeah, that's the best one. That was the best one. You and you found um, you found another uh, a good snack that we neither of us have tried, but we we may have to at some point. The um, the popcorn, right? Uh, yeah, this is uh, hickory barbecue pulled pork flavor popcorn. Um, so it's I, only I, I, I saw it yesterday. I, I didn't buy it. I probably should have done, um, but I, I, I wasn't in the mood for eating it when I uh, when I saw it. But maybe I'll, I'll pick some up when I'm, I'm next at the supermarket. It's only ninety nine calories uh, per. That, I think that's per ten per thirty gram serving. Uh, I don't think that's ninety nine calories for the whole bag. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it looks like it's a big bag. That does not look like something that has international shipping. It looks like you just have to show up at a grocery store in uh, the UK for this. I'm sorry, people, but it is a uh, UK website, right? Uh, yeah, but Butterkiss is is uh, I, th- I think it's a UK company. Yeah, probably. I'm not familiar with it. So mm, maybe th- it is. they are the. There are popcorn maker basically. Um, okay. You know, if you want popcorn, that's the one to uh, to buy. Um, well, maybe I'll pick some up. Um, there's been <laughs> there's been a lot of pulled pork um, in in the last kind of three or four months in the UK. Um, You're finally it's... discovering American barbecue, I guess, huh? Right. I, I love pulled pork, um, and and I went to a great place in when I was in New York. Um, was really really good, and it's kind of just ruined pulled pork for me. Um, but, Do you remember what it was called? Oh, um, I think I've got it. Um, excuse the uh, excuse the keyboard for a moment. I have found it. Uh, this was uh, th- this is a place called Rogue. Um, oh, okay. Never heard of that one. It's a sports bar, um, and which for me was just an, I, I don't like sports anyway. Uh, but th- this place had fourteen televisions, um, and it wasn't a very big. Uh, kind of uh, restaurant bar kind of place anyway but 14 tvs and i think there was maybe seven or eight different sports going on at any one time yep um but they had some some pulled pork there that was just fantastic um and after that it kind of just completely ruined it for me um over here but the problem i think we have in the uk is you'll see like mcdonald's are doing pulled pork now um in one of their burgers but i think when they say pulled pork they just mean bits of pork i mean this is not really pulled pork it's just some pork that they've cooked and chopped up and they're calling it pulled pork okay Um, so i want you know even the popcorn i wonder if what that's really going to taste like or if it's actually going to be any good or not yeah um i think it would probably be gross (laughs) (laughs) i gotta be gotta be honest you can't turn pulled pork into into a powder and put it on popcorn it's just not that's not natural no, it doesn't seem too good. <laughs> but you can give it a you can give it a shot. That's okay. <laughs> so you found a what might be the best headline of any yeah, news story ever. Would you would I, you want to read this out, John? I don't, I don't want to take this away from you. Yeah, you know what? I and I clicked on it a minute ago, and it started an autoplay of video. So hopefully that wasn't that didn't get picked up. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna open the tweet because the tweet uh, doesn't have any video. Obviously, um, it the headline is. Pig in Australia steals 18 beers from campers, gets drunk, fights cow. I mean, that is just the best headline I've ever read. It's yeah. just glorious. Yeah, we, we should um, give Graham Spencer a hard time because I'll tell you, every time I find um, weird news stories, they're almost always from Australia. 
Yeah, it's, it's so, um, a lot of strange stuff happens there. Just saying. Yeah, definitely. It's probably the heat. It's probably the it heat probably. And, all, and all the animals that are trying to kill them on a daily basis. Yes, Australia. And then I guess this is in the... If you really want to go, you can go to the Nature World News. I don't... This is just one of those things I found on Twitter. So I don't typically go to the Nature World News. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, uh, wild pig drinks 18 beers and fights a cow. All right. It's just a fantastic headline. Um, and, and just what a wonderful story. <laughs> Um, I wanted to talk about this a little bit because this looks amazing, and I wonder if you're going to be buying it as well. Uh, the the Ghostbusters Firehouse Headquarters Lego set. Yeah, I saw you uh, tweet this. This is pretty cool. Yeah, this is um, four, just over four and a half thousand pieces. Wow. Um, uh, it, it's going to be... UK, I think it's £275. Uh, US is maybe $350. Right. Um, so it's, it's an expensive set. Um, but I'm definitely going to be buying it. I mean, it just looks like an amazing, amazing set. And it's actually the third biggest set Lego have ever made. Oh, really? Uh, what was the biggest one? Didn't they do, like, uh, was it no, wasn't the Empire State Building? I no, the biggest it... one was the Taj Mahal. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I believe the second is one of the the older Death Star sets. Um, right, was the second biggest. But yeah, the, the Taj Mahal was was one of the biggest. Um, but yeah, this is going to be the third biggest set they've ever made. We have one that's approaching those. We have the uh, one of the original Millennium Falcon sets. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I think it's still. Yep, there it is. It's up on the shelf. It's it's uh, it's still put together after all these years. So yeah, it's um, there seems to be. This was a kind of just came out of nowhere that they were, you know, building this Ghostbusters, or, you know, releasing this Ghostbusters uh, HQ. Because um, this, this, a set very similar to this, had been on Lego Ideas for a while. Um, and it actually got rejected for, you know, for being too big, really, for a Lego Ideas set. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting when that comes out. And I'm sure that will be kind of three or four days of my life gone while I build it. Yeah, well, they have yeah they have some Ghostbusters sets for the new Lego Dimensions video game too. I know my kids got that for uh, their birthday, so um, I haven't really played it yet. Um, but it's a pretty neat. It, it you know it's uh, it's a great concept. You can mix and match all these characters and have them in the game all at the same time. Um, but I think if you want to unlock every single aspect of the game, I saw somewhere online someone calculated it would be like three hundred and fifty, four hundred dollars, something like that, to have all the different little sets and all the little figures you need to unlock all parts of the game. Yeah, that was the figure I saw around four hundred dollars, and this was that wasn't even to own all of the actual physical sets. That was purely to unlock every piece of content that's in the game. Um, Okay, so that you know that's a lot of money for a uh, for for one game. (laughs) Yeah, we got the starter set and then um, a Simpsons pack. Oh, okay. Which so I, that gives you the uh, the Simpsons levels, I guess. In plus, yeah, levels. I think so. And it, it, it's a lot. There's a lot of con. There's you know, there's a the, the parts that op- parts of the game it opens are very large. There's a lot there to to play. So it's definitely, you know, it's not like they're just charging you for putting one more per- character in the game. There's significant portions of the game that get opened up, but um, it c- could get expensive fast. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on the uh, the starter set because uh, they, they've got a Back to the Future level. Um, there's a pack which I, I've already bought the Back to the Future pack because I wanted the uh, the figures and stuff that came with it. Um, but I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the starter set because, to be honest, I'd really like to play that uh, the Back to the Future section that they've got in the game. Yeah, it's a hundred dollars here, I think. 
Uh, yeah, I've seen it store. drop in. I think it started at £75 over here, um, but I have seen some offers where it's hitting kind of 55 and £60. Um, so, you know, maybe it will maybe it'll drop a little bit. And uh, I used to work at a, a second-hand game shop, um, so I, I might have a word with them and say, look, if, if one comes in second-hand, just let me know, and I'll, uh, yeah. I'll get it from there. It might, it might, um, might kind of, uh, the, the price might go down after the holidays too, I would think once kind of that initial, you know, once they get everybody who's trying to buy it for the holidays, they'll maybe drop the price. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well, as I say, I'll be keeping an eye out. So, um, was there anything else you want to talk about, John, or are we, uh, pretty much wrapped up for this week? I think, I think that that's probably it. Um, you know, we could talk endlessly about snack food, but, um, we'll save, we'll save some of those for some other time. <laughs> excellent um so you can find me i'm uh at rm lewis uk on twitter and my website is roblewis.me and uh, john where can people find you uh, at john Voorhees at on twitter and squibner.com is where all the squibner apps and projects are right now perfect and you can find the show notes uh there at ruminatepodcast.com slash seven and we will be back in a couple of weeks great see you then rob see you later john bye